0: Welcome to this episode of DFT's Dungeon. My name is Daniel Terry. I will be your host for this episode of the podcast and every episode of the podcast. After last week's Lorna Shore episode, I thought it would be in slightly better taste to have a little bit more of a fun, lighthearted conversation. And anytime I'm looking for fun and a good conversation, I always turn to my friend Travis Turner... Travis used to host one of my favorite podcasts of all time, As the Story Grows. He was also in one of my favorite technical metal bands of all time in Alathian And uh, he's currently playing drums in the satire. And uh, Travis has always got something fun going on, something fun to talk about. And uh, this week we decided to talk about one of our favorite records, Justice for All. We kind of dig into this one quite a bit. It's a longer conversation, so... I'm going to go ahead and just get into it. How's your week?
1: Good, man. It was very good. Thanks. Thanks for asking. I saw Iron Maiden on Friday. Did you? Yeah.
0: Now that wasn't the that wasn't the concert where um, somebody was smoking weed in the front and Bruce Dickinson freaked out and started yelling at them for No,
1: on the contrary, he kind of celebrated Jersey for how much we smelled like weed. It was really funny. He was like um, Not having a—he—he was doing this with the lights, almost like bring up the lights. I want to see everybody. And then he was kind of shielding his eyes, and he goes, "I'm not worried about being able to see you because I know you're out there because I can smell you." And Jersey was just like, "Yeah!" So, and then—and then I—I saw all those clips of him like reprimanding everyone because they're like Steve Harris doesn't like the smell of marijuana. And I was like, "I don't know, y'all dug it in Jersey. I don't know what his problem was, but he's just cranky. They're a bunch of old men. I'm sure he just had a bad night when he yelled somebody."
0: I can relate to that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean there might have been that one dude up front that was just like boiling a bong too and it might have just been too much as opposed to like it's just out there you know what I mean
0: I was thinking that it might have been you have something to do with like his throat because you know I, I've been uh, I've been Thanks. practicing I've been practicing vocals again um specific I mean not, not as good as Bruce Dickinson but I can only imagine that he keeps that throat in uh, in, in tip top shape. Pretty much all the time, because like just little irritants and stuff. Like, I've since I started practicing, I can, I can scream again. Like, I well, okay, no, I can't scream nearly as good as I used to be able to. Mm. But um, depending on what, I, depending on what I like ate the night before, or if I didn't drink coffee, or oh, if see. people were smoking around me. So, like, I was at this meeting at work that ran kind of late one night, mm-hmm. and everybody was standing outside smoking, and I was standing there talking to them. Yeah, you know, the entire time. And we're, like, outside, so it's not like they've got, like, a funnel of smoke going down my throat. But just, like, the, the slight irritation of it, for whatever reason. When I got in my car, which is the only place that dads practice their metal vocals uh, in silence.
1: I'm in traffic every day. I do it, too.
0: I realized that I couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't even find it. Mm-hmm. That place, that that sweet spot right in your throat that just will, will make the noise that you need it to make.
1: It's like anything as you get older. It doesn't get any better when you get older, either, because it's, like... Every little thing that can irritate your voice. Every little thing irritates your bowels. Every little thing irritates your sleep. You can't even enjoy a couple drinks anymore because it keeps you up at night. The alcohol makes you sleep funny. It, everything irritates everything. Then yep. the Iron Maiden in their 60s. And and Nico was 70 when this tour started. He uh, Earlier this year, he was, I mean, he turned 70 since he's been on the road. So I got to go see a 70-year-old play drums.
0: And he's you loved lot- it.
1: I loved it. He was, he was was They're allowed to be cranky.
0: All right. We're going to give Iron Maiden a free pass.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. As we
0: always do. Um, you'll, I'll have to bring you back in season two to do an episode on uh, on an Iron Maiden record. I will do
1: every Iron Maiden album up through and including Fear of the Dark.
0: Oh, I mean, I I won't do that. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. do that anymore.
1: Uh, uh, okay. Oh, that's right. Wrong <laughs> but, show. Sorry, sorry. Right.
0: right. Um, I'm not about that life anymore. I like to take a record, put it on, listen to it, and just, you know, in typical old man fashion, think about all the things that it makes that, that it brings to my head. Yep. Yep. And the interesting record of this particular episode would be Injustice for All. And it is an interesting record because there's no base. We'll just get that out of the way right right away. People are always <laughs> like, oh, it's there. It's just mixed low. It's not there. It's just it's just straight up not there. And, uh, and I don't care. I think that was one of the first things about it that really struck me is i i knew that it sounded different than older iron not iron maiden. we're not talking about iron maiden dan uh it sounded different than older metallica albums mm-hmm. and i could never put my finger on why because when i first heard this i was like i don't know maybe 12 yeah <laughs> 12 I, 13 I, years old you know i
1: don't think i noticed i'm not saying i didn't notice because jason's playing wasn't good. i'm not saying anything like that i'm just saying that i was just a dumbass kid and didn't like i wasn't at the point where i could hear something and Pick it apart and be like, mm, and keep the basis up to my standards. I didn't have any standards. I was I was just a kid digesting whatever everybody threw at me, and I was just listening to the math and the anger and the angst behind it and everything. And I didn't even know Metallica's discography that well yet, so I, I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't hear Justice and say, well, by way of comparison, to Master and Lightning. Like I wasn't there yet, you know what I mean? I got a little sure. bit of a late jump on them. and Justice was my first record um, in '88. It came out in eighty-eight. So I got I got my hands on it around eighty I don't know, eighty-nine, something like that. And okay. when one one was on Headbanger's Ball, I, I got into Metallica when everybody got into Metallica who didn't go out and see live bands. And um man, Headbanger's Ball made me who I am. <laughs> Worked my way backwards. Uh backed into Master Enlightenment. So I, I didn't know. I, I saw a bass player in the video. I don't know until later in life was when I was like, yeah, this really does sound like a really well-recorded demo tape. Really. Right. So dry and compressed, you know, but I, I didn't know what that shit meant when I was a kid. So eh, it doesn't bother me. We all grew up listening. I, I use this example all the time. I bet you didn't think boy sets fire would come up in a, in a Metallica discussion, but I use them as a kind of a guidepost with when I listened to day the sun went out, one of my favorite records from that era. I I, never once did I hear it and be like, man, I wish this was recorded better. I I didn't think about it that way. That's, that's the way it was recorded. warts and all it's got a little bump, you know, it's a little bumpy. It's a little, it's a little dirty, whatever. I don't care. So it never bothered me that there wasn't bass on it until someone pointed it out years later. And then I was like, yeah, I would like to hear what Jason did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is one of those things that it feels like everybody that talks about this record, uh, because you know we're gonna dry, this is gonna be just a little drop in the in the massive ocean sized bucket of podcasts that have talked about Metallica records, right? But yeah, I just I just wanted to get that out of the way, like right away. Uh, yeah, it has no bass, and we've we've moved past it. Um, yeah. When did you? So you said you heard it what eighty nine? Do you remember how you got it? You said you obtained it. Do you remember how you obtained it?
1: Would have been cassette. Everything was – I was rocking cassettes then, and I think I borrowed it – I had a massive copied tape collection. I have been been ripping off the music industry old school way before it was cool with Napster. I was dubbing cassettes and going into my school copy machine and and copying liner notes, and then I would cut them to fit the case, and I would make my own cassettes, and everything was black and white. Everything was foggy looking, and everything looked like shit. It was – it was mine, so I'm pretty sure I borrowed it from. Uh, I got it from somebody. I don't quite recollect who, but I think I got a copy of it. Uh, okay. After I heard one on Headbangers Ball, I was like, "Boom! Got to go get that."
0: So, did you just come over with like that two tape uh, boombox and just dub them yourself, or <laughs> um, did you have a guy? You know, a guy that you go to 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 dub tapes.
1: I had a I had a guy. He was, my, my story coming up, I I came from a church family, so I was an only child and went to a small church all the time, different small churches. So my parents would get to be friends with other adults and then we'd go hang, super fun for Trav, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? Right. So there was this one family named the Kirshners in Kutztown, Pennsylvania, and they had, two or three sons i don't remember and the one kid was kind of a badass he was the one with the motley crew posters and he was always gone and he had like a camaro you know he's like one dude it's a total 80s thing and um i got to be cool with him even though he was never around he basically was like you're a cool kid you can pl- you can go to my room and listen to whatever you want the rule is don't take anything don't take anything okay. out of my room he knew i was gonna right. steal. He's like, don't take anything out of my room, and I was like, so can I dub cassettes? And he had the whole stereo set up, and he was like, yeah, go ahead. So I'll bet you the three or four times that I went to their house, I probably copied. I'm high speed dubbing because the quality's down a little bit, but I'm I'm on a clock here, Dan. My my parents could pull could pinch me out of this in any minute. No so doubt. I remember like cataloging what he had in his room and planning it and buying like the ten pack of Maxell cassettes. And the next time we go to the Kirshners, I'm going into his room. I can't remember his name. I think it was Chris. I'm going into Chris's room and I'm gonna dub that, 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 that. I think that might have been where I obtained justice.
0: That's so cool. Like and I, I love the idea of making liner notes. I wish I had thought to do that. I would have <laughs> never got I would have never gotten away with it though, because I had to disguise my tapes as something else, you know, not as they I, were. I
1: pulled the same thing. I pulled the same thing. My parents would buy me all these like uh Christian artists and I'd be like, Cool, thanks for the Stephen Curtis Chapman tape. Gonna put a lot of mileage on this. And then I would use that liner note to cover like my Megadeth
0: album. <laughs> oh, that's so cool.
1: <laughs> and then I had and then I had like a master list somewhere that I hid in a drawer. Like most kids are hiding porn in the room or something like that I'm hiding a master list that that's like Scott Wesley Brown is, <laughs> is Yeah, it was a key. Yeah. Or whatever. Right? It was, like, <laughs> yeah, it was like the legend, right, right, right because then i would be i'd be going through blank cassettes because i had like i just had like a number 13 on it man number right. thirteen. so i'd have to go to the legend to check it <laughs> that's yep.
0: hilarious i had to do that as well i i had a guy that would that would copy tapes for me it was almost the exact it's it's kind of terrifying how it's almost the exact same story uh in that we, we did the same thing except i did it a little bit more low-key because i'm a little bit younger so like i mean I'm talking about doing stuff like this in like 98, 99. And the reason why you, the reason why you couldn't afford CDs, cause CDs were still kind of, they were in like the 15, 99, 16, 99 range. Right. Yeah. So the yeah. only way I could get music and I could keep it under the radar is I do cassette because cassettes weren't popular anymore. They weren't the, the main way people right. consume music. They were real under the table, you know, cassettes are so much easier to store. Yeah. You know, to, to like stash away. Yep. But, uh, it's funny. Cause there were a couple times where I actually did get caught and, uh, you know, I had to go to school and be like, yeah, my parents, they, uh, <clears throat> they found my thrash stash. They found my metal collection, you know, yep. uh, which was, I mean, at that time was just like Metallica. You know, and I I would talk about like oh yeah my metal collection I I wasn't sitting there rocking like creator or sepultura or anything cool you know I didn't, get,
1: I didn't get in trouble with anything until hair metal became a thing and I had some hair cassettes and it was all tits and ass on the covers that's when right. I, that, you know, when that stuff got discovered like 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 warrant and roxy blue and these basically just like like basically pinup magazine girls on the cover of an album that's when stuff started to I really had to be careful, and I, I got busted a couple times because I was, I was a little older, and I was getting more sloppy with leaving stuff laying around. And then oh, my, mom wow. would, my mom would just happen to be in my room putting away my laundry. <laughs> right? And uh, that's when I would get stuff confiscated. I think, I think the most metal thing I had taken from me was Shout at the Devil because of all the pentagrams.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think whenever we did that episode of discography discussion, that was the only album I liked was uh, Shout at the Devil
1: from crew
0: yeah. yeah yeah we did a yeah that i i think i hated everything else i don't remember i might have to go back and re-listen to it but <laughs> uh, um, but yeah i remember i, I like that record quite a bit yeah. but this record is uh i think i got so this one i did not have on cassette okay i met this kid named josh and if anybody remembers like the first five episodes of discography discussion featured josh josh was a guy that i went to high school with Okay. in middle school and he lived down the street for me which was like you know prime real estate as far as like being able to do the kind of stuff that we did right. and me me and this me and this guy mainly just played hockey in the street you know uh tennis shoe hockey you set up every time a car is coming you grab the goalpost walk across the, the street
1: yeah
0: yeah yep. yep. Oh, there's a car coming you yep. know uh but he was like really into metallica and he could play guitar he was one of the only um he was the only uh, one of the only people that I knew that could play guitar and he could play Metallica songs on guitar. Like, like just, I mean, straight up. And it's funny because like, you know, obviously, huh? So he played mainly Kirk. So he he wanted, yeah, he wanted lead. Yeah. He could play all the solos, you know, like it was, yeah, it was really, it was really impressive. And that's, I remember there was a point where our friendship sort of, Like, as we were younger, it was mostly about the hockey. And, like, every now and again, I'd come down into his basement, and he'd play, like, Duke Nukem 3D or something, and I'd be like, oh, my God, like, this is so great. But then whenever he got that guitar and started playing, he became obsessed with Led Zeppelin and Metallica. And eventually, after sitting here, like, so a a lot of the Metallica songs that I heard the first time I heard them was just from this kid playing his best version of them in front of me on guitar. So I didn't know, I didn't know what the words were. I didn't know any of that Mm -hmm. stuff, but I was just like such a loser. I was just so stoked to have a friend that was like letting me come over to his house and, (laughs) you know, and hang out with him. Right. So, um, you know, one day I finally was just like, well, I gotta, you know, put my best foot forward here. I'm like, let's listen to some Metallica records. And I think I heard, um, I think he played fade to black for me off of, uh, ride the lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really, I really liked that song. And I was like, I, and I was like, man, I wish I could get these albums. I was like, there's no way my parents would let me get these albums. And he was like, oh, dude, I'll just burn them for you. <laughs> and that was like one of the first times I'd ever like, cause, uh, and like looking back on it, like, th- obviously they, it, they were probably like a little bit like a higher income level than, than what my family was. Cause I had, I'd never even, even heard of that. Like, right. what are you going to make me a copy of a CD? you know, like a tape, you know, and he, he pulls well, out these, well, uh, burn
1: your album. We need that. Oh, oh, you mean copy. it? Okay. Got it.
0: Yeah. He was like, hey, haven't you ever wondered why my computer has two CD drives on it? You know? And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So I'm like, so yeah, he took his, he took, uh, the first four Metallica albums and, uh, burned them all to CDs and they were really cool CDs. I wish I still had them. They were the, uh, and I think you could still buy these, but they're blank CDs that have uh vi- like fake vinyl, on top of them so they, they right. look like little vinyl records and so on. Yeah, like,
1: like the uh, like the Soundgarden record. Like Soundgarden. Yeah. yeah, I know what
0: you mean. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't label them at all. I, I had um like the orange one was Justice, uh the purple one was Ride the Lightning. And I think the red one was Kill 'em all. And so it was like it was like having that having that color coding, but like I, I was looking at those, I was like, this is great because I can listen to these. Now I didn't have the heart to tell the kid that I didn't have a CD player at the time, but I was I was so thankful that he that he got me that, and eventually my parents ended up buying me a Walkman. Nice. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. Whenever I finally did listen to the listen to Justice for the first time, and I remember it. Because I have some sort of weird condition where I remember literally everything that has ever happened to me.
1: I have the opposite of that.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm hoping it'll – I thought all the years of alcohol abuse would, like, fix that for me, but
1: it, it hasn't. It's... Yeah, wait. Oh. Every,
0: well, every minute every minute that I'm not drinking, it's like I, everything becomes more clear. And I'm like, no, we're going the wrong way.
1: Like... Oh, wow. I think I, I have this opposite problem, and I also have the opposite attitude with alcohol. I think the giant holes in my brain are eroding – been getting larger (laughs) that's fair yeah
0: well every minute that you stop this is my psa for the episode every minute you stop hurting yourself is a minute you start healing
1: no that's good advice
0: it's it's advice i don't know if it's good or not yet i'll let you know in five years if i'm like like if i'm in really great physical shape but i'm miserable i'll let you know
1: (laughs) know? sounds like something that like a drug addict would have crocheted on a potholder on their wall yeah and that's not i don't mean to make light that's not funny
0: no, you're funny. Oh, that is, is funny. It,
1: but,
0: but, yeah. anyway. No, but I remember when I first listened to this record, I was playing Wolfenstein 3D uh, because I also had a shittier computer than my friend did. He could play Duke Nukem 3D. I could only play Wolfenstein. So Wolfenstein 3D was a was like it, that came out in like 1990, 1991, 1992, I think. Okay. And it was the it was the first 3D gun game. Like first-person oh, okay. shooter game, okay. and levels were just mazes, and it looks really like primitive now. But when I first played it, I thought it looked real, you know. And you walk around and you shoot Nazis. It yeah, was okay. basically the entire point. You. You're a prisoner in a Nazi fortress, and you have to escape by just machine gunning down every single Nazi that you see. Uh, they're the same. It's so it's the game that came before Doom. You know Doom. I was say, Everyone it knows like Doom. Doom. Right. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. Same company, same everything. They, so they made, they made Wolfenstein. They, they essentially made Wolfenstein and then they perfected what they'd made with Wolfenstein with doom, Got it. you know? Uh, so dude, cause they're like, who's, who's more unlovable than Nazis. How about straight up demons from hell? Try explaining yeah. to my parents that like, no, you should let me play doom. It's the most Christian game ever. Like you walk around and shoot <laughs> demons with a shotgun. Like it's come on. It's What would Jesus do mom?
1: You should probably shoot him, but yeah, we probably shoot him really good.
0: But that game was significantly, or that game was significantly old. I guess is the point I was trying to make because this I I would have been playing it in like ninety eight ninety nine. So like all of the games, like video games had advanced quite a bit between those right. two years. Sure. And um, but and I was remember I would play the game and listen to music because i actually could listen to the music on the cd drive i got this old like garbage computer from a friend of mine down the street that was like we're throwing this away do you want it and so i took it home and i took it home and fixed it and got it up and running because i couldn't believe i had a cd or computer with a cd drive right Uh, and i could put the cds and listen to them if i put headphones in and um there you go and yeah so and i play i sat there and played the game with no sound uh while listening to and justice for all and I can tell you what, there is no better soundtrack to mowing down legions of Hitler's Nazis than Injustice for All.
1: I can't think I can't think of a better combination than a gun in a kid's hand within the context of a video game. And Injustice for All going in the background, I'd have, I'd have probably been more of a gamer if I had access to that, too.
0: Well, it blew my mind because I I remember thinking, like... Oh, this is certainly aggressive, you know, like, like your, like your grandma would think if she, she, you were forced to go, if she was forced to go to your concert and your loud metal band, right? Oh, this is certainly aggressive. Uh, but it was aggressive. It was more aggressive than anything that I'd ever really heard up at that point. This is a little before, before I heard Slayer and stuff like that. So right. this was literally the heaviest thing I'd ever heard. Mm-hmm. And it just, the, the pace that it went at and how like all of the lead guitar work sounds so And I'm gonna botch how I describe this because I I don't really know what the actual term is for it, but they just sounded so um, futuristic. I don't know, like almost robot noises. The way the way they the way the lead guitar work was harmonized with itself has that like they do it in Blackened, like the way Blackened comes in. With those, yeah. with those with those leads that's what i'm trying to describe and uh i'll just i'm probably just going to play it on the episode so you guys will hear it we just don't hear it right now while we're talking
1: but i know what you mean it's got like the it almost sounds like it's it's been pitched so you hear them both going yeah i know what you mean it's yeah. eerie. it's eerie it's cool
0: yeah, 100%. And so yeah, that was my first experience with that record and hearing uh hearing one with all the gunshots going off, you know, like right. oh, I'm doing the, you know. So like when you get to one, it's like it's an amazing experience because you're like I'm an 18-minute war veteran. Yeah. And so I can, I can relate to this, you know. I'm not
1: usually um, a fan, I'm not usually a fan of when there's like a musical production going on in the background where you hear like voices and movie clips and and the sound effects with like guns and stuff like that I'm not usually a fan but one one is definitely an exception uh, where it just all tied together so perfectly um, I know James was like he said he said in an interview that like I wanted to give that guy a voice because he remembers I think I think his older brother told him about the book or the movie or, or whatever and and he said it scared the shit out of me I mean, monsters are scary Devils are yeah. or whatever, but this was like, wow, this is like, a, like a reality scary. This could actually happen to somebody. No arms, no legs, no voice, blind, wants to die, can't tell him he wants to die. He said that sounded like the scariest shit I've ever heard in my life, and I wanted to give that guy a voice. So the fact that James like threaded what he wanted to say for that guy into an entire production, it, it was it was kind of kind of a neat idea. I mean, you got to give these guys credit; they were a bunch of kids. That that. Hits home to me more than a song about the devil, you know, like every, every metal band's doing that pentagram, scary bullshit and everything. But James, James was like, that movie scared me. And I wanted to write about it and kind of like moved his own fear into part of the story. Neat. I think That's kind of neat.
0: It's one of the first Metallica songs that I remember. Number one, I didn't have a very long attention span when I was a kid. So with it being seven full minutes, but it was the first time where, like, because back then, you know, it's not like it is now where you just have a digital readout of everything that you're doing, right? Or, and, yeah. or you see, because, like, right now I've got the album pulled up on my other computer screen here, and it's like, you know, here's all the songs, here's exactly how long they are, here's, the, right. you know. And yeah. I remember I remember not feeling, like, I couldn't believe that song was actually seven minutes because it never felt that way. It always felt like, it was over you know because you're just so enraptured with everything that's kind of going on Mm -hmm. uh but there is a moment on one specifically at the end you know just your 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 classic Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. uh with the double bass and just all of that going on at once that song might largely be the beginning of my obsession with heavy bands like heavy music like that like finding that sound it wasn't quite what i was looking for yet but it was it was the first time of like i was like this is like oddly soothing for me in a way or as a kid when you're trying to relate to absolutely everything that you see or hear you know you're just like oh my god i relate to that this this sounds like how i feel you know
1: <laughs> yeah i think um i think my favorite part of the song is actually, the, interestingly enough, I think it's the beginning of that part. If you remember the... Uh, yeah. That actually yeah. starts thumping. It, it kind of precurses it a little bit. Lars starts doing that before it comes into it. And then they... Yeah. And he's double kicking under that. I love how that doesn't just start at one point. Lars kind of sets it up to about about eight bars before they all lock in yeah um i always thought that was really i don't know how musical genius they were then or if they were just a bunch of kids that got lucky i don't know but i always thought that was a really good setup for that part rather than just out of the blue i was right neat that he kind of he kind of started galloping into it early you know
0: Or he just started playing it early. Who knows? No.
1: <laughs> man, or, or he messed it up because everybody says how much the guy sucks. I don't know.
0: No, I don't know about <laughs> that.
1: Does. We can talk about that too. Everybody says the bass was missing from this album. Everybody says Lars is the luckiest drummer since Ringo and he actually sucks and everything. I'm not, I don't abide by that, man. I don't think I buy that. I don't think Metallic is even here. Lars is doing what he does. You know, he's got his moments I, for sure where I'm like, mm, that was not perfect. But I don't, like I said, warts and all. It's metal. Yeah. A part of that is because now we listen to—I don't really—but I mean, there's a lot of metal out there. It sounds like it came through. A, it, it came through a piece of machinery, and it's all perfect and shiny on the other side. Yeah, it's because
0: it—that's because it did. Doesn't matter how you play your drum parts. I, I'm just going to literally take the audio recording, and I'm going to hit one button. And it's all going to snap into time, and you're not going to worry about it.
1: Yep, it's like, you it's like running your wood through a planer. It's going to come out exactly, perfectly level because you need to make something exactly perfect. Yeah, or and, you, you know, might have a little bit of knots and crookedness to it, and everything like that, and it gives it some charm. I think it's exactly how I feel. Metal is furniture. It's exactly how I feel about it. You can run it off an assembly line, and it's going to look like the same goddamn table you just made, or this one's got some special weird crookedness to it, and the leg isn't quite perfect in it, but it's mine, and I love it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And and it's funny. I, I can't remember who posted this. It was on Fa- I think it was Matt Putman was on Facebook yeah. and he was like, he was defending Lars. He just decided that like, you know what guys like, no, I, I like Lars uh, as a drummer. And he was talking a lot about uh, injustice for all. And the more I thought about it, cause I, I've always had kind of the stock metalhead opinion of, well, you know, Lars is, you know, not that great of a jerk, you know, I mean, he's a lot, hell of a lot better drummer than I am, <laughs> you know? Right. So right. like, they got to look into that, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure they get more streams than, than I get uh every single day but this record is the reason i think that i don't hate lars as a drummer. i don't know the guy personally to know whether i love him or hate him or not but this is the album that i look at whenever i'm like yeah yeah it's kind of like what we were talking about up top about how like these guys are all like getting old and so like do i expect lars to be as good of a drummer on the newest metallica release as he was back in 1988 You know what I mean? Like, but this is the record that I feel like, uh, I remember this was one of the first records I paid attention to the drums. And it was a lot, it was a lot of that like double bass drumming and stuff that I hadn't really heard before Uh, because metal at that time, when I was getting into it was, it wasn't gone. Like there's all these awesome underground metal bands going on that I didn't know about. But at the time, the most metal I had ever heard or the radio metal at the time was, it was all just, standard four four, you know, ty- type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And so to hear justice for All and hear, you know, I don't want to say it was complex footwork or anything, but it was it was noticeable in a very in a very impactful way in that I started listening to the drums Yeah. on metal albums after listening to that because I wanted to I wanted to hear if there was anything else, if there was anything better, right? Because I talk yeah. a lot about I talk a lot about pattern recognition on this podcast, and how like the reason we like music is because we remember it or because we recognize it, and so um, every single time, especially at that age, that I would absorb a new record. I would immediately go out and try to find its match. What else out there is like this that's going to that's gonna hit that pleasure center in my brain, right? That's going to be like, yeah, this is the thing that I recognize, this thing that I remember. And then right. in, a, in a best case scenario, it actually improves upon, you know, the original. Sure. Uh, so I, I got a, I got a very fundamental appreciation for drums out of this record.
1: Okay. I think, going back to the Lars thing, I think there's definitely areas on this record where it's not perfect. Um, there's areas in his entire career where it's not perfect Guitarists are definitely let's do another take let's do another take let's do another take. I don't know if Lars could go record Dyer's Eve 17 times till he gets it right. I think Dyer's Eve might have been like a, that's the best that's the best we're gonna get it because when he first starts dear mother dear father the very beginning double kick is the worst of the song you can hear him flamming a little bit you yeah. know what, you know what flamming is? It's not perfect quarter notes. It's more but up but up but up but up but up. Like when you do right left right left, that's a flam, right? I got so you. he's 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 not going perfect. He's going more. He's doing that a little bit to get started, galloping a little bit. Okay, okay, fine. And now Metallica sucks, and I'm not going to think Justice for All is a good record. Whatever. Like I get it, but also like Tom Petty recorded Refugee. I think the entire band recorded Refugee something like 46 times. Until the producer was happy, and back then I think producers were just milking bands. That was good. Do it again. Oh yeah, that was yeah. good. Do it ten more times, and they were just like R- the meters running. Do it again. I-, I don't, dude. I can't play Dire's Eve thirteen times. Right. I, I haven't played it in a while. I bet I, ha- I bet I would struggle with it now. So I think you're talking about a band that has been on the road since Kill Kill 'Em All. They basically stop to record Lightning, go back out, stop to record Master, go back out. Cliff dies, they they're processing what they have to process. They you're you're to devastated. Yeah. I mean, they did not, they did not cope. They'll they'll be the first to admit it. They beat the shit out of Jason. The poor guy didn't do anything wrong. And um, that's that. But uh, I think I think you're dealing with a uh I think the drums on justice are a little bit of a snapshot as opposed to perfectly produced because we're gonna take this record to the next level. I think it's more of a Metallica stopped for five weeks here's the record gotta go gotta get back to right it. and and it's as good as it gets there are moments in the song justice for all where the kick is so bad it makes me laugh and actually it, like there's a couple there's a couple spots where I'm like what was that he, he does like this weird flutter thing at one point um, I would love for you to find it and drop it in here but uh he just he just does this flutter thing with his feet. It sounds funny to me. It just sounds like almost like tongue-in-cheek. And um, is it perfect? Is it Dave Lombardo? Is it Charlie Benante of the era? No, it isn't. But, dude, it's Injustice for All. Like, what an amazing song. But, like, the whole, like, is Lars the most perfect to a click drummer I've ever heard? I don't think so. I think Lars doesn't really have a lot of swing in his playing. I think Lars plays behind the beat. And Metallica, if you listen to him, and this is my opinion, people uh, I don't know how many Metallica fans will come on here and defend this and yell at me or whatever, but in my opinion, everybody always says, drummer's the backbeat of the band, you gotta listen to the drummer. I think Lars listens to James. I think James is the rhythm section of that band, and Lars plays to him, because he, Lars always sounds like he's He's behind the beat. Behind the beat doesn't mean he's not playing correctly. It just means there's a meter. There's there's the quarter note where it lands. You can play in front of it. You can rush it a little bit. You can play behind it. You can be straight linear down the middle like, like Tim from Primus is like dead nuts down the center all the time. That guy's just down the middle, almost scary how good that guy's time is. But Metallica, Lars, I mean, always sounds like he's – keeping up with the existing song as opposed to driving it it's just a different style dave lombardo is i mean that's when i say dave lombardo we all know i mean slayer right he's yeah. he's just this engine that just sounds more down the middle and linear and perfect it's two different drummers there i'm just i don't know i, I don't i don't think he's bad i just think he's different he I mean, can't be bad how many they've been on the road since 1983 like come on selling out football stadiums. He's hes not a bad, you're not going to go see Metallica and be like, wow, he's a terrible drummer. You know what I mean? Right. And he yeah. definitely has moments where I'm like, ah, ah, that wasn't, that wasn't the best take, you know? But.
0: Yeah, no, I feel that. I mean, I think that, you know, this is going to sound a little hypocritical coming for me, uh, considering my background, but like, I think that I've reached a point in my music enjoyment where I'm not as necessarily concerned with the quote-unquote tightness of the playing agree you know what i mean or the right. the the level of like how does this compare to this well unless they recorded it specifically to compare to this other thing that i'm arbitrarily just pulling out of my ass saying is <laughs> you know oh this is better or this is this or this is a copy of th-. like i go back and i listen to some of the old statements that i used to make about stuff like this is objectively bad and this is this and this is that you know this record is the perfect example of I started noticing drums on this because I could hear them. Whether or not they're you know like whether or not they're good or they're bad or whatever is kind of irrelevant. What the, what is relevant is the takeaway that you had from it. Did this record make you feel something? And it, the something you feel could literally just be. I liked this song. It doesn't have to be some big grandiose, like And the life lesson that I learned from this was that never go higher than 63 miles per hour while listening to, you okay. know, like it, it doesn't have to always be that way, but a record can be very significant regardless of whatever the objective truth about it is, right. you know, in, in the modern day. Right. Yep. Uh, uh, and so, you know, some of those parts, it's funny you talk about that part on Dyer's Eve where you're like, yeah, he's, he's a little bit, um, Flammy. Yeah. Yeah. That word. I like the way it sounds.
1: Me, me too.
0: You know, I, I think it's I think it sounds cool and it's noticeable and it's different and uh, it gets me pumped up. There's not a whole, there, there aren't very many songs that get me pumped up quite the way Dyer's Eve does. Mm. uh, Because for whatever reason, I, again, I remember things and a lot of people, a lot of people's like teenage angst tends to fade away after a while. Yeah. <laughs> and um
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Whenever I listen to this song, it's all back. <laughs> you know, yeah. just for that just for that five minutes, you know, like
1: Oh, I got like, I got a Dire's Eve story. All right, Look, let's hear it. Well, hold on. I was gonna say another thing before I forget it. Um, going back to the production of this record, um, nobody said shit about Lars's playing until this album nobody thought he was bad on lightning nobody thought he was bad on next because he sounds fine um is it exactly perfect no but it was produced it had that big boomy full reverb snare you know the snare didn't go pop it went and like it covers more of the quarter note so when you just go and the beat stops you have the whole rest of that quarter note to hear how human somebody is but when it goes and it kind of fills the quarter note you can fuck up and hide it more you know what i'm saying yeah i think i think i think justice was a really honest record because it was so dry guitars too the guitars are so compressed and so out front that i feel like i can i can i can hear that be not exactly perfect sometimes as well because it's a human being hitting the string it's not it's not a uh human being hitting a string and then going through the production magic. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I think every drummer worth his salt would go out. I mean, I've, I've been on recordings and I can go back and listen to it. And it sounds like I'm on time. I sounded great. If you were to isolate my drums, I'd probably be like, pull my hat down over my eyes. Like, Ooh, that wasn't great, but you can hide a lot when, with production. And, and justice was so balls out front, like honest that there was no hiding from it. And, 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 and Combined with, we're also going to do like math, more progressive stuff, and the songs are going to be nine minutes long. It wasn't a pop song. It wasn't right. like a quick, you know, shit and get off the pot four-minute thing. And it wasn't, it wasn't a Master Puppet's Disposable Hero. That, 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 that just just gonna do that. The whole song sounds pretty tight to me. There wasn't all that, all that open space for him to like not be perfect, right? He's not out there to hear.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: Dyers Eve, I I pulled the same I pulled the same shit that everybody did. I uh I got tired of the hypocrisy in my parents' house and I wrote the lyrics to Dyers Eve on uh on a piece of paper and I taped it to the door and I moved out for a year.
0: <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. How did they how did they take that?
1: No, I talked to them for a year. But Oh, that's fair. But uh it, it, did, it didn't go over well. And then eventually I came back with my tail between my legs cuz I ran out of money, you know what I mean? But but yeah, I, I did the whole punk rock, like, you know. I'm out from that fucking lullaby, And angry and stuck <laughs> up in the door, and you know. But going through stuff with family and everything like that, that just seemed like the perfect. It seemed like, wow, what a cool metal punk rock thing to do. I'm going to take some lyrics, stick them to my parents' door. I'll show them, you know. Right. It wasn't giant song about the frayed ends of sanity. It wasn't a giant song about blackened is the end of the earth and everything. Love the love the environmental vibe on that too. It was pretty, pretty precursor to what we're dealing with now. You know. Dyer's Eve was so personal. It was like James writing a letter to his Christian scientist parents. And and that one really felt like first person, first person shooter kind of a thing, you know, as opposed to I'm uh, writing these giant songs about these giant topics it, it just felt it felt personal and that one that one really hit home with me and i still remember all the words of that song because i remember writing them down
0: <laughs> yeah so was it was not like it wasn't so grandiose and of course that's the song that i latched onto because you know i i had also grew up in a very religious household right and now i didn't have big enough balls to to you know tape the lyrics to, to the uh to, to my parents door because i had nowhere to go. Uh, I was a weird kid with no friends. Nobody's gonna let me move in with them, you know. So it, right. that that just wasn't happening.
1: Right. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't do this when I was fifteen either. I don't. My balls aren't that big. I did. I did. That's it, fair. You know, I did it like like. I think I was twenty. You know what okay. I mean? So like, I, right. I'm ahead, I'm ahead of you. You know what I mean? Like I didn't like I didn't like walk out of grade school. Fuck you. Rah! You know like I did it. When, I was probably about about time for me to save some money and get out anyway. Really. So
0: that's fair. I, <laughs> I mean, anyway, when I when he's... I was tw- well when I was twenty I don't know I probably still wouldn't have had the balls to do it I'm still ter- <laughs> I'm All still right. terrified of my mom this was definitely within the first the first ten CDs and uh, this was this was the first CD that was confiscated by my parents and thrown in the trash oh, Ouch uh, and I remember well and it was because uh, let's see we got
1: Is it because Lady Justice had a boob out
0: So my parents were you know in their mind fair about it they're like well let's listen to it.
1: Okay. All
0: right. You know, we're gonna yep. give it the fair shot. We get about halfway through Black End and we get to see our mother put to death. See our mother die in the trash can. You know what I mean? Just like just gone, you know. Um Mom, you gotta yeah. hear this. I mean, we, I mean, think about it. Let, let's think, Let like, let's do the the parent judgment thing, right? So, like, right. blackened, you're not going to get past the see our mother die, you know, see our mother put to death. And, of right. course, I'm like, Mom, it's Mother Earth. And it's like, what is that hippie garbage? You know, yeah.
1: Jesus is, you know,
0: or the earth is temporary. Heaven is eternal. You know, that'd be it's like that sort of weird. thing. Yeah. 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 Earth right. is temporary. So but you tried to slide eternal.
1: the hell, past religious parents. That's, no one's ever done it.
0: I didn't try to slide it um they just found it it. yeah yeah Yeah, let's see they would have never they would have never gotten past uh injustice for all because justice can't be raped you know (laughs) right uh it totally can you guys should watch some more trials um eye of the beholder um i feel like eye of the beholder would be okay i feel like the parents would have agreed would have been okay with eye of the beholder
1: okay you know you can yeah i mean but you never made it to Eye of the Beholder because the, the fourth line on the record is "see our mother die," and your mom was like, "click, garbage." Across the room, pretty right? much.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I just wonder, like, how far could you have made it if you got past that? So we wouldn't have gotten past. I'm doing know. this I'm now. I've committed. To... Now.
1: I gotta, I gotta, I'm gonna ride with you here. I gotta pull it up. I've been listening I've... to it all day. By the way, I, 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 don't think I listened to this album back then as much as I listened to it today. I put, I took it to work today. And put it on a loop. So however many times you can fit Justice for an hour and five minutes, I worked about nine some hours. I bet I listened to this record eight or nine times today.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. I listened to it once. Um, <laughs> I spent half the day just re-listening to an episode I did that's going to drop before this one. So everybody that's hearing this will have already heard that. But I, I was oh, like yeah. spot-checking that. Um, But let's see to this idea of like, how offensive is justice really? One I, so one, I actually, I already know the answer because despite what one is about and if your parents understood context, but let's just pretend parents don't understand context because in this context, they don't. So one, I remember I was listening to one on the radio it was on like one of our local rock stations sure. every now and again they, they decide to get real edgy and and play a metallica song you know an older metallica song
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh i was listening to it and singing along and my dad's like this song sounds like somebody that wants to commit suicide and i was like you're, you're right but i yeah. don't like where you're going with this dad you know like right uh so yeah one the suicide implications it's like god thank god you never heard fade to black that's a song about that's a song about james wanting to kill himself because he lost like his favorite amp or something like yeah was... right uh um, yeah, well this,
1: there's a lot of oh god please wake me oh god please help me i mean there is a lot of crying out to god and i mean you can't sell it with the whole like you know dad this dude in such bad shape he's 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 finally having his come to jesus moment but he can't say anything to anybody or see anything or put right. his hands up or walk to church
0: right that's gonna be Let's that's try. gonna be a sticking point.
1: This is your idea. I'm just going. <laughs> no,
0: you're fine. You're fine.
1: Okay. All right.
0: Uh, shortest straw. All
1: right. Witch hunt. Well, that's already bad.
0: Witch hunt. Yeah. But if we're hunting witches, then we're on the side of good, right? Um,
1: I, I I I think so.
0: Okay. Um. Yeah. Shortest straw. I think we can get away with shortest straw.
1: I'll give you shortest straw because it seems like the sort of straw has been pulled for you, witch hunt, like let's go hunt down the bad guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Cause they're doing bad things and, and we're sure. good guys that do good things. Right. All right. Right on. Right on. Uh, uh, okay. Harvester of sorrow. Just this
1: the, is the title alone right there. We're already, we're already at half mast. I don't think we're in good shape.
0: It's not great. Um, <laughs> Harvester of sorrow also just sounds really evil yeah it does just the... it's like it's yeah it's 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 scary it's they're playing the devil's chords you know I,
1: was, I thought he was saying language of the damned for years until i read the lyrics i was like oh it's of the mad i didn't realize that
0: yeah Oops. um let's see here now uh frayed ends of sanity i do remember one time my mom this was years later when they weren't throwing my cds away uh my mom uh came into my room for some reason and i was listening to the freight Ends of sanity and she was just like i just can't believe that they used a clip from the wizard of oz <laughs> <laughs> at the front of that yep. i don't know if that's a good enough reason for it to not get past your parents to live is to die is a free one uh, i'm
1: still reading the Fred Ends of sanity lyrics.
0: Oh, okay you're you're, you're spot checking it like a parent
1: yeah, well, I mean, the whole like, oh, we, you just, you just sell them that it's a, it's a really heavy version of the movie soundtrack or something. I, don't know.
0: I heard somewhere that that's actually not a sound clip, but they actually just replicated it themselves. Like, oh yeah. Like, I, I, they, I, like I Lars and they just would, oh, 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 you know.
1: Right. I think if anything, it shows, if I may, if I may be so bold, I think if anything, it starts to show a little bit of Metallica's sense of humor and how. Like every interview you ever have has they might have come across like lost with some kind of monster. And they might and the whole like I have to sell this artwork and they're like my children. You kinda of, you kind of felt like I don't even know who that guy is anymore. But like, I don't know, man. James never came across as stuck up. He always kinda no. came across as self deprecating, kind of a goof, like somebody that I could definitely be pounding beers with. So mm-hmm. To have a, an album this serious and this nasty, and this, and then have a oh, we oh, almost kind of a dumb, silly part. If anything, it kind of shows a little bit of their their underbelly a little bit. Maybe just a, just an idea,
0: just a hair, just a think. Just an all idea. right. This one, this one might get pulled because uh, we are at. There is a mention of hell being set free. Height, hell, time, haste, terror, tension. Uh, so yeah, I mean yeah. that one. Yeah. I'm gonna give it a pass.
1: Well, yeah, all hell breaking loose. Sure, I guess
0: whatever. I don't know. It's pretty common for. I think it's a pass.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out though on uh, "To Live Is to Die." If you were to type out, if you were, if you were, if the lyrics were actually all the speaking parts were typed out and everything, there's no way your mom would approve of that.
0: When a man lies, he murders some part of the world. These are the pale deaths which men miscall their lives. Yeah. All this be- I cannot bear to witness any longer. Cannot the kingdom of salvation take me home?
1: I don't something, know. Something tells me, something tells me that's not, it's not gonna. If it, if that's on a t shirt, it's not gonna make it through the laundry. You know what I mean? Really, you think so? I'm just saying. I don't know. It just sounds sounds a little dark.
0: I mean, it is a little dark. I mean, it's obviously like kill me, right? Or take me away from this. You know, I've
1: I've had it. Get me out of here, kind of. back to the you know a couple songs ago, your dad was already like, "It sounds like somebody wants to kill himself," right? Yeah, you're He's right. But
0: here's the thing, though. Your parents are not gonna listen to eight minutes of that song there's no way just to get to that part so that's that's a pass it's a free one because you just say it's an instrumental
1: as you said all of this is an exercise in futility because your mom already whipped the cd after see our mother put to death see our mother die that was two minutes into the album man
0: i know i know (laughs) last one last one dyer's Dyer's Eve. eve is it even i mean disrespecting your parents angry angry at your parents and then you know the fuck words in there so right. like right. you really
1: <laughs> you called your parents a dictator and it's like a good one, right?
0: yeah though no, that's that's over i mean dire's eve yeah. so um were you keeping track of these okay. or were you just looking
1: um okay um, oh oh no i'm not scoring them or whatever but no I'm all just... right
0: let me see if i let's see if i remember because let's see we got we got blackened was a fail and justice <laughs> was a fail either the beholders a pass. pass short of straw was a pass pass uh to live is to die was a pass so if you burn justice for all what about one one suicidal two suicidal fail okay. Yep, okay sit down <clears throat> um uh, so yeah so you can bur- you can say if you want to get in justice for all past your parents you make a copy of the cd that only has eye of the beholder <laughs> uh and the shortest straw and to live is to die
1: and, and, and you're all. good
0: yeah yeah an ep for all absolutely so got it make sure to hit that subscribe button to get more guides with dan and travis which (laughs) albums can you get past your
1: parents (laughs) not not at this point in my life but i'm here to help the younger generation i guess
0: i don't know i don't know why but there's there's a there's a future youtube series there (laughs) probably
1: probably already out there
0: probably is don't sell One. yourself short. That's our original idea. That's our that's our IP. It's
1: ours. That's ours. It's it belongs be to maker. both of us equally. Yeah. One another thing about this is uh can we talk about artwork? Yes. How utterly amazing the artwork is. It's engraved into the stone. I think that's dope. I think that's a really cool idea for the artwork. I love the um weird mucusy green yellow that it is. Just not yeah. just a neat color contrast. Lady Justice looks amazing with all the ropes and everything and and it tied in so good with the tour and the stage setup and everything. You ever see the clip on *Binge and Purge*? The live shit with um, as they're playing <clears throat> *Justice for All*, the stage is starting to fall apart. Lady Justice yeah. falls off, and the light rack is falling and swinging mm-hmm. over. Such a great, such a great tie-in with the whole thing. Yeah, and, um, they definitely the had more
0: thing. of a budget on that tour.
1: <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, the last thing I wanted to point out was in in. Show prepping for tonight, which was basically while I was eating my chicken, I was just looking at pictures of the artwork. I never noticed that the gavel head artwork with their four heads, the cartoons thing. Yeah. Did you ever notice that the knuckles have the word fear written on them? On the, no. hand the hand? Me neither. I noticed that today.
0: Interesting.
1: How many times have I cracked that album open? I mean, it's been a long time since I'm, I'm not laying around you know on my belly with my two feet in the air (laughs) looking at liner notes anymore but yeah me neither (laughs) yeah i didn't do that earlier today no i I don't even have a physical copy of this album anymore i I don't have the cassettes do you you
0: need one i I got i got like four uh copies of it just for all i I, I buy albums in it huh
1: what format cd no you have to go with cd that's all right it's fine was I gonna say oh just in looking through the artwork and and looking at the pictures and everything I never noticed that before it's got the word fear written on it isn't that funny
0: I gotta stop saying that's interesting on the podcast because it's starting to sound insincere um (laughs) but yeah I never noticed that before either it is interesting (laughs) because I I always
1: you have to say it
0: but artwork was yeah like artwork back then had like a little bit more meaning now because like what is artwork now it's an 800 by 800 JPEG exactly you know i make one every week for the podcast you know it's just yep throw this together this looks pretty cool this is great you know Mm -hmm. um and as good as this artwork is you know this is also a band that eventually devolves into having you know red semen as their artwork on their album but uh you know that's
1: we all know what bob rock did to that band and the argument is he opened them up to be multi-millionaires because he did something right with the production but I got no problems with the blackout. Load is where I start to say, ah, there's some moments on there, but they just started writing heavy rock songs. But they they took like a weird swerve towards Nickelback, sort of, in my opinion.
0: I mean, not really. <laughs> Nickelback wasn't around back then. Well, um, yeah. all right. No, hey, I get then. it. I get it. Um, are you, were you are you? So you're not on social media much? So at the, all? Uh, <laughs> probably at all. Yeah. Nope. So you probably didn't even see all that hype about that new Nickelback song.
1: Oh, no, I see. Uh, um, you saw I the actually, teaser? Somehow this shit rolled up in Google. Um, it, it rolled up in Google because, um, uh, do you know Pat Finnerty? mm <laughs> Dude, so there's that guy, that uh, Beato, that has what makes this song great on YouTube. Mm-hmm. There's a dude from Philly who started a started a channel called "What What Makes This Song Stink." <laughs> okay, and it's the funniest shit on the internet. This dude is a stitch, and he did a Nickelback. He did the Nickelback. I guess it's called San Andreas. Uh San. No, no, San Andreas is a fault. What's the prison? Something else. See, so I was San... thinking the
0: Grand Theft Auto game. Um... San
1: Bernardino, San Francisco, San. Quentin. going to Quentin. He did a uh, he did a what makes the song stink for uh, for San Quentin. So that's how I knew about Nickelback because there was somebody basically that I'm that I'm subscribed to on YouTube making fun of. So I did know about. Him. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you know, that, I'll send you a link. You gotta check this dude out, dude. You will go down a rabbit hole with this guy. He's wonderful. <laughs> that
0: single was so funny because we were all we were all the Discord server, and we were like making all these fake Wikipedia articles about how like Nickelback was going to record like the heaviest album ever record you know ever put to tape and everybody was gonna be you know proven wrong that Nickelback always had what it took and how they re you know reinvented metal music and I like we all knew it wasn't true but it was such a fun thought experiment for you know a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. Uh, um, and largely that's kind of how it felt that's kind of how it felt you know what Our band reaches kind of an apex where you're like, where are they going to go now? Like they've like, and you look at a band like Metallica that has gone in so many different directions. All the
1: directions. Yeah.
0: So when Metallica announces a new album, you know, there's going to be guys out there going to be all like, if it doesn't sound like the first four, I'm not listening to it. And then there's going to be people that are going to be all like, I like the black album. Some people are like, Whoa, Metallica's still together. You know? And then there's like, so there, there's all those people, but like the true fans, the ones that are just like, I don't care. I love these guys. I love everything that they do. But you, you kind of have that apprehensive feeling every time they're going to put a record out because there's yes. been plenty of times where you really weren't expecting what what they were going to throw down. And I think that that's kind of the impact that Justice had coming Queen. after Queen. after Puppets yep. because you would not have expected this band to get heavier. Right. It's not the normal trajectory. I mean, I've listened to 278 discographies, you know, and so every band has a pattern, right? Sure. Every band sure. has a has a specific arc. And this really doesn't this kind of flies in the face of the arc, right? Because a band puts out an album. So you've got Kill 'em all right. And for everybody that's Metallica you know, for the first, these guys are badass. These guys are, these guys are fast. They're in your face. You know, you got a blood soaked hammer on the cover and, and they're just, they're coming after you. It's called kill them all. Like, let's go. It's so exciting. Mm -hmm. And then they put out ride the lightning and already this would have been the beginning of people being all like, oh. Well, this isn't as fast as as yeah. Kill 'em All, and yeah. what's with the what's with this fade to black song? Like, why, is he, metal. Yeah, why right. is he? yeah, Why is he doing this? Like, it, it's, it's they're singing on it. I don't really like that. And that fire with fight fire with fire is cool, but it's just not you know, it's not as fast as Phantom Lord, you know, and like that sort of thing. Yep. and then you know master of puppets comes out and it's even more so where people are like oh what is with these super long and these guys did you hear who these guys are touring with like they just like totally sold out and then they put out justice which in a lot of ways sounds more like a sequel to Kill 'Em all than it sounds like a a sequel to puppets not not, and not exactly that's not a great not a great, yeah. I don't
1: know if I'm but. there. I don't know if I'm with the kill them all thing. I, I think it's let me put it this up. way it has
0: the same level of aggression, okay, yeah, as, as kill them all. I just didn't word it correctly, but yeah, sure. like it, it's got the same level of aggression, and it makes sense, obviously, with the death of a friend. Like you can explain it, but I, I think that when they put justice out, I don't think this is what people were expecting.
1: Mm-hmm. I think um, we all felt like we were friends with Metallica and we all suffered with them. With uh, with the loss of Cliff, even though at the beginning of the show I said that I didn't get into him until after Cliff was dead, I didn't even know who Cliff Burton was Jason Newstead was their bass player. But, but even going backwards, Metallica became such a cornerstone in everybody's collection that you, we've all we've all watched documentaries on how yeah. tore up these guys. St- they still can't have an a, a long interview that isn't like an album cycle bullshit interview. They still can't have a long cedar and not talk about Cliff. You know? Yeah. And now they're sitting there talking about Jason and Rob is sitting there like, I'm uh like them both. You know what I mean? So both great guys. Both yeah. great guys. yeah, whatever. But I feel like I feel like Killem All was the progression into lightning. I feel like lightning was the progression into master. And I feel like somewhere in the career of metal bands, unless you're Slayer, <laughs> um, they just kind of eventually turn into a heavy rock band like a rock yeah. metal band or something like that justice is the one album that doesn't fit mm-hmm. in my opinion i feel like justice is the album where um instead of s- starting at Kill 'Em them all getting more slickly produced and sounding better getting more slickly produced and sounding better and then getting more slickly produced and becoming a rock band and slowing down going more mid-tempo and everything justice was this this weird standalone thing in their career where, again, I feel it had a lot to do with we haven't processed the death of our best friend. We haven't figured out how we're supposed to feel. I don't know that there is anybody out there that's going to be be able to tell me how to feel. And I got this new guy who I have to put somebody who plays a four string guitar on stage with me, but I don't even want him around because when I see him, it reminds me of Cliff and I want to kill him. Poor Jason, just just set up to fail, and angry metal kids who did not have time to grieve and had to get back out on the road and support a new record. The momentum was there too. If Cliff dying would have been their time to be like, we have to take a step back, and I, I need I need time, man. I just lost my best friend. You know what I mean. Um, Justice doesn't sound like it does, and their career doesn't hit the trajectory that it did. These were the pissed off. Like, nothing is right with me right now, but I'm going to work anyway. Like, hard, like like pipe hitting motherfucker, tough. That we're just like I'm going back. I'm going to work. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to work. I'm angry. I'm pissed. I want to put my fist through a wall, but I'm going to work. And this is the album that resulted from it. And I think that's got a lot to do with the production. Where James and Lars were like, they called themselves the Gatekeepers. Uh, I saw somewhere in an article that. They said, they told the producer, and whatever his name was, um, turn the bass down just audibly. Like, turn it down so that you can just barely hear it and knock it down another three decimal. Because they yeah. didn't want to scoop the middle out because they wanted that angry, crunchy guitar to come through. And they didn't leave any room in the middle for Jason's bass. Sorry. I don't know if it's true or not. I read it somewhere. Whatever, but. I know that these bands and these producers are too big to accidentally let something like that go out. That's why, (laughs) that's why.
0: Yeah. yeah. Test
1: pressings exist. They wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have pressed that entire thing, put it out to the world and then went, whoops, we forgot to turn the bass knob like that didn't
0: happen. Yeah. No, they listened to it and they go, yep, this is what we wanted. Of course. yeah, Yeah. Ship it.
1: Right. And I don't know if part of that was, we still miss Cliff so much that we don't even want, To hear Jason on... I I don't know. I don't know where their mentality was. But I almost feel like like, um, we all know a friend that we care about and that we love that is going through something terrible, and they might not be handling it correctly, and they might lash out at you, and you love them anyway, and you want to be there for them, but at the same time, you're kind of being a dick to me right now, so I'm going to give you your space. We're still cool, but... If you talk to me like that again, I'm going to punch you. Do that kind of thing. Like, like why don't you, you know, you know, like, I don't I don't know if I was the funnest person to be around when I was losing a parent. You know what I mean? So there might have sure. been friends that loved me that were like, this dude's going through something and he'll be all right. But for right now, yeesh, powder keg. You know what I mean? I think that was the justice for all moment in Metallica's life. And it was just kind of like, I need to prove to the world that I'm going to knock everything down because I'm so I'm so pissed off. I don't know what else to do with myself other than just put it into my work. I respect that a lot. Might not have been the healthiest shit for, them to do for themselves, but just the fact that these guys are like, "I had the worst weekend of my life, but I got up Monday morning and went to work." Is is like hats off to Metallica, man. That's 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 kind of I hear it. I hear it in the record. I hear I hear how just fed up James's lyrics changed. They got more inter- They got more personal. He's singing about down to earth stuff instead of singing about four horsemen and shit. You know what I mean? And yeah. I don't know. Just, just a. Just my opinion. It's
0: interesting because I was gonna. Ask, God, I said it again.
1: It's interesting. <laughs> is it? Is Hold it on, interesting? No, no,
0: because because I was gonna disagree with you. Okay. I don't think that the lyrics on this are very personal. Oh, okay. And I and it's but it's sort of in line with what you were saying about how we're just clocking in and going to work okay and and we're not dealing with this right because if you're an artist right you want to you want to put how you feel into your art this record is a lot of you've got blackened which is a song about environmental disaster okay you've got justice you know, for all which okay. is like the you know the system of justice is broken yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 uh eye of the beholder is also a oh the system one is just like, a. I saw a movie that scared me and I wanted to give that guy a voice. Sure. Right? Um, I have no idea what Short of Straw is about, but it's like not about like how James feels about things.
1: I think um, there's something about infanticide. Infanticide? How do you, how do you say it? When infanticide? You murder, infanticide, when you murder babies. I think there's something like that in the lyrics, too. I got the impression it had something to do with like a first chosen sort of thing.
0: Yeah, but it's like world events. Because you've got "To Live Is to Die," which yeah. is you know the that's the big that's the big hit in the feels, right? That's your that's your your tribute to Cliff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got "Dyers Eve," which is like I'm mad at my parents. So like "Dyers Eve" being probably the most personal.
1: Well, I think I mean, the one that I'm to live is to by. die. Yeah. You know what? You're changing. All right, you're changing me on that. I'll 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 accept that because I, I'm I'm thinking too much about "Dyers Eve" and how personal that might have been. The most personal song. But you definitely, you're right, he aimed that, James aimed that at his parents, and the other eight songs didn't really address, well, To Live Is To Die was kind of a hats off, I think. But you're right, the rest of the album was not, yeah, that, that is just, I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink and drug my way through the pain and go back to work. You're, all right, you've sold me on that. All right, I'll take that.
0: I mean, but I just know that. because it's, in,
1: it's interesting that you did that.
0: Well, I know that feeling. Thank you for that. I know that feeling, though, because I've done that. We've all done that. We've all had something horrible happen. Yeah. But you have to, like, keep breathing. Yeah. you got to keep doing. I was just telling my wife this before I came downstairs. She she has a friend that's going through a really tough time, and we were talking about the idea, and even in the last podcast episode, about how sometimes things aren't fair and things just suck, and, and, and you can you can wallow in it and you can be upset about it. And it's okay. It's healthy to be upset about things but the only thing that can really fix any problem is time and continuing breathing. Okay. And that's that's what they did here. We're going to continue being Metallica because that's who we are. And instead of addressing this, you know, I'm on the clock right now, so I'm just going to make a whole bunch of factual statements about the world.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, all right. I'm 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 sold on that. That's a good point. This is this is just Clocking in, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna move past the pain by not dealing with it. I'll deal with it later. And then they made some kind of monster, and they all started crying, cut their hair.
0: Well, they cut their they cut their hair way before
1: that. (laughs) I know, just busting the shop.
0: They're just. uh, It all came crashing. Do you remember this
1: Do you remember the story? This isn't this isn't justice related, but do you remember the story that Mike Inez wrote a message to Metallica on his bass for the Alice in Chains unplugged performance? No. You go back and look at Alice in Chains, Unplugged. Inez wrote, friends don't let friends get friends' haircuts on his base. <laughs> on <a confusing> face. <laughs> and, then, and Metallica supposedly, I think three of them were like up front for that performance because they everybody loves Alice in Chains. And uh, Inez was basically making fun of them right then and there. And uh, <laughs> It's pretty funny.
0: Wow. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not That's... it's not justice related. I can't think of any other justice things I have to say other than uh
0: It's okay. We're not it's... here to we're not here to reach for it, man. We I I got know. no,
1: I got you. I got you. It's not it's 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 not my favorite Metallica album because I like so, I like I think I like four albums all the same for all different reasons. I'm not a big kill 'em all guy. But I love me, lightning. Me neither. Love lightning. Love master. Love justice. I love the black album. I love the black album. Love it. I think of Wolf and Man's one of the best songs. It's a good love one. It. I love it. Through they, never. Through the never is dope. That's such a good song. So I don't know. I just that's their that's their that's that's their big four for me, and this is. This was right in the middle of it. The beginning of justice is the, the, the end of master and the beginning of justice when everything took a shit for them and they just went off on a different trajectory than I can't say I'm glad Cliff died, but I'm glad that they made the decisions that they did based off of the disaster in their lives because it made them what they are. And just I, I really honestly don't think justice gets made the way that it was made if cliff was alive i mean blackened is uh jason newstead has writing credits to that james has been quoted saying that um, that was newstead's idea so the song blackened probably doesn't exist if cliff is still alive right Right. so make the best of of a of a bad situation uh i'm sure we'd all rather have cliff with us but at least at least it made the the angstful nasty record that it did you know i agree mm. i agree that's you know that's, i can't i'm out of facts i can't think of anything else
0: well travis thanks so much man for sitting down and going down memory lane with me about injustice for all it's a record that did was certainly formative for me i mean pretty much any record that i talk about on this podcast is going to be formative for me in some way but it's always it's always nice to get a different perspective than just you know just my own in these four walls
1: My pleasure. I'm always, always happy to be on the show. I will be more than happy to uh, come on anytime you want to talk about a record that I actually know anything about.
0: Thank you guys once again for checking out this episode of the podcast. Always fun to talk to Travis. Always fun to hear his unique perspective on albums that I thought I was the only one that, you know, had ever really sat down and thought about it for a long time. Shows how conceited I am, but uh, it always feels good anytime somebody comes in with a strong opinion. I'm able to give my counter opinion, and we're able to come to an agreement on it. That doesn't happen very often, and it was kind of kind of fun to see that happen tonight. This is episode 16 out of 20 for season one, so we've got four more episodes left to go. If you guys like the podcast, make sure you're subscribed to it on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. If you guys have questions for me, send me an email at dftdungeon at gmail.com. You can go to my website at www.dftdungeon.com. And I'm on all those other places like Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and any other social media platforms that I may have forgotten. I'm, I'm on all of those, unless it's some like really obscure thing. There's going to be links in the show notes for this episode that will take you to all those locations. And uh, But if you really just want to hang out and share memes and talk about music and stuff, make sure to check out my Discord server. I'll have a link in the show notes that will take you to the Discord server. And that's pretty much the easiest way to get a hold of me directly. So uh, hope to see you guys on the Discord server. If you don't, that's okay. I will see you guys again right here next week.